0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show.
1: Good morning. We are back. Real Presence Live from Williston, North Dakota, St. Joseph's Catholic Church. And uh, Father uh, Kovash just stepped in and he says good morning to everybody out there and uh The grand, what, awesome branching out and huge area of Real Presence Radio that we're touching out there, 2.4 million people. Mm -hmm. And Father, they come and they, we have Father Luger with us, by the way, Mm
0: -hmm. associate
1: pastor here. And uh, they come to us via Facebook, the Mm -hmm. app, Real Presence Radio app, and the internet, and uh, all you have to do is go to put in Station dot com, and those choices will come up. So wonderful. Good morning to you, Father Luger, again.
2: Good morning again.
1: And uh, Father Luger, who do we have with us this morning?
2: Uh, this morning we have uh, Father Brian Gross, uh, the pastor of Epiphany Parish in Watford City. Father Brian, are you with us? I am. Good morning. Good morning. So thank you for being uh, being with us today, and. So today, uh, we actually want to speak to you about the Feast of Epiphany. So first of all, uh, when is the Feast of Epiphany?
3: Well, uh, it depends. um, I mean, for us here, uh, at least in the Diocese of Bismarck or in North Dakota, and I think it's throughout the region, uh, the listening region, um, typically Epiphany is celebrated on uh, the Sunday um, following the Sunday that we celebrate the Holy Family. So we celebrate Christmas, and then there's that first sunday immediately after christmas whatever that happens to be uh we celebrate the holy family and then uh, for us in our area we then celebrate the feast of the epiphany on that uh that sunday following the first sunday after christmas if that makes any sense but that's uh, that's kind of the way the, the gist being um, sort of that that uh movement from that initial the birth of jesus uh we celebrate of course his coming and then um we recognize that Jesus is born into this wonderful family of Mary and Joseph, and then we uh, celebrate the revelation of Jesus ultimately to the Gentiles um, for for the Savior uh, to to save the world.
2: Wonderful. And so, uh, continuing on that train of thought, uh, why is the Feast of the Epiphany so important for the Church and for our faith?
3: Yeah, so, in, in a way, we could say as Christians that the Jewish religion, um, as good as it is in a certain self, uh, certain sense in itself, Jesus uh, is born as a Jew so that from the uh, space that he lives in, he can then reveal himself to the entire world as a Savior, not just for the people who are Jewish, but for all of the world. And so when Jesus is born, his desire from that first moment is that, Everyone throughout the world comes to know him, right? So we celebrate uh, the three Magi coming as uh, those who are not Jewish. Uh, we There's some numbers of traditions as to who these three Magi were, uh, or the Magi were. In fact, the number three actually isn't even in the scriptures. We just kind of say three Magi because of three gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Magi that come to see Jesus are kind of typically seen uh, for us as coming from what would be modern-day Iran. And so this revelation of Jesus uh, as a Savior, not just for the Jewish people, but for all
1: of the world. Father, um, this is Uh, Lori. Good morning again, by the way. Um, I I also heard um, an idea and a thought that they were of importance, and they carried very important, rich, gifts we envision them coming by themselves with a camel maybe one caretaker to take care of these camels um but they probably had guards and other people with them is this possibly true
3: i mean that's i mean it's certainly a possibility again we're not we're not totally sure where they came from um but the the if they did i mean suspect, as we suspect, that they came from Iran, Um, they would have been a member of what, for that particular religion, would have been a priesthood class, Um, and they would have come based on their observation of the stars, but astrology, which for us would be superstitious, and astronomy, which is the scientific study of the skies, Um, those two realities would have kind of been melded together. They wouldn't have necessarily seen a distinction between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And so they were of a high priestly class, most likely from uh, what's modern day Iran and certainly they would they would have traveled with with a retinue with, a, with an entourage of people um, that would have that would have assisted them and that's the idea right is that the the sort of high space of this more pagan um, religion, these these individuals in a high uh, high ranking in this pagan religion, they come right and they bow down, uh, before Jesus, as we're told in the scriptures, they actually um, they prostrate themselves, right, and mm-hmm. before him. And, and it's it's important for I mean, it's not sort of good to think or well, I mean, the idea is I mean, they're they're basically prostrating themselves at a the barn, and I think we can kind of make the connections there as to what they're prostrating in, right? So mm-hmm. the the fact that they would be so affected by this new king that has been born that they themselves of high rank. Would, would humble themselves is,
2: is really a great example for us. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, I think one thing, you know, as you brought up um, astrology, Father Brian, I think one thing that I think a lot of people have been questioning this year is the nature of the star. Um, we know that right before Christmas, we had those two planets aligning that shone very brightly in the night sky, and many people were... Uh, commenting that it was the Christmas star and speculating as to whether or not that may have been the same quote-unquote star that the magi had seen uh, can you offer us any information as to as to that thought
3: yeah so uh, I think the the beautiful um, the beautiful point right whether it was a star a comet the aligning of you know Jupiter and Saturn uh, or some other cosmic event that just shined very brightly for a period of time that directed these magi to come and see Jesus um, however it is that God ordained all of that it's really it's really extraordinary um, that what Jesus is uh, Jesus birth is announced and experienced by God using natural phenomenon to guide these magi into a supernatural experience of the savior um, and, of course, we see this as a great uh, hope for so many people who are out there who have rejected God, don't know him, um, that God is working always, God is always working in the natural realities to draw people deeper into the supernatural reality, right? So it would be, make sense that, that uh, hey, if this is how we can get these Magi's attention, there's this tradition that goes throughout the, the, um, the religion of the Magi way back, you know, centuries before they were uh, around that when a king is born, there is some bright light that is shown in the sky, um, and God uses that um, to direct them from just a natural experience of life into this, this deeper supernatural experience, this actual meeting of, of the Savior. So um, whether it's a star, a comet, you know, the aligning of planets, however has God decided to do that, uh, it's really a beautiful thing to know that God uses the natural ultimately to draw us into a deeper experience of the relationship that is uh, Jesus who saves us.
1: So we we have a couple things like from, I'm, I'm, this is Lori Leffreyer, uh, one of your hosts today on Real Presence Live and with Father Luger here and we have Father Brian Gross, uh, from Epiphany in Watford City. And, um, we're talking about the Magi or the three Kings that we think of. Um, and some of the points that we're uh, pondering today, this morning are, um, what led them there because of course the Catholic Church according to how Jesus and God wanted it to come about was uh, not quite formed yet because this was just becoming the birth of Jesus and uh, maybe they didn't find him until he was two years old is some of the the thought but the things that we might not think about are that they themselves being these elite people uh, coming, these high, these men kept on a high pedestal coming to bow themselves down into maybe even the dung in, in that they're just drawn to this baby, that they prostrate themselves down onto the ground. They, we have them um, following this bright light, so something natural that we um, might not pay attention to in our own lives out there. Uh, that God is probably trying to draw him, us closer to Him with something. Um, we have uh, the bringing of gifts. You know, what do we have to offer Him? And and there's some of these things that are uh, just out there that we might not think about. And we're going to take a break right now, Father Gross and Father Luger, and we're going to come back and let you, both of you draw us deeper into the sense of how can we um, connect with these magi that we can put our, ourselves in this place to come and honor our beautiful, wonderful infant Jesus that we celebrate at this season? So we will be right back. Um, come and join us. Uh, look up at yourcatholicradiostation.com and we'll see you on the other side of this break.
4: which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503.
0: Let's get started. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Good
2: morning, everyone. This is Father Luger, the Associate Pastor at St. Joseph's in Williston, and we are here with Father Brian Gross, the, pa- the pastor of Epiphany Parish in Watford City. Uh, talking about the Feast of Epiphany and, in particular, about the Magi. Now, Father Brian, uh, one thing that you had mentioned um, about the Magi themselves is that uh, they were were from pagan nations. Um, And so, I'm wondering, uh, how would that have been important to the early Christian and how were they able to connect with these Magi?
3: So, the, you know, the Magi again coming from a space that would have, um, I mean, we're, we're pretty sure they would have known uh, about the Jewish religion um, and they would have been a very much aware of what the, the Jewish people would believe, especially because of the number of times that the Jewish people would have been exiled, right, as they were conquered by foreign nations and that the Jewish people are taken away uh, and sort of dispersed throughout the region. So they would have been in contact with other people who were Jewish, These um, the Magi would have been. And so there's an element of um, those who have suggested that, you know, there's five gods or there's ten gods, or uh, the, the only way that we can really experience any sort of supernatural thing is by doing some sort of uh, magic or something like that, would come to experience the person who comes to save us and have a conversion experience um, is very important, because we can point to that as Christians and say, look, that what happens when a person is seeking truth and they encounter Jesus is that ultimately they are satisfied by his presence. And that's a very important point. What we have Mm -hmm. to assume, too, is that these magi are seeking what is true, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's one of the things that that needs to be... You know, some of our modern culture uh, doesn't really uh look for truth. It looks for who's more powerful, um, or who is offering the thing that can satisfy me in a in a pleasurable way, perhaps for a little bit. But the idea of seeking after what is true and then resting uh, and building my entire life on that really in some ways is kind of it's becoming more and more foreign to the modern mind. And so we've seen these magi and what the Christians would have been excited about, I think. Um, is, wow, look, these guys were seeking truth really seriously, like diligently seeking truth. Uh, hey, here in my little, you know, my pagan religion, there's this bright light in the sky, um, and I'm so invested in, in finding this new person who can tell me something new and deep and true that I'm going to travel hundreds, thousands of miles to go and see him. Um, that's quite extraordinary. And mm-hmm. so for the Christians to be able to to point to these magi initially um and then all, obviously the many other people who throughout uh, the years came to to know jesus come and worship him but look, this is what happens when a person encounters jesus right mm-hmm. that those who are non-believing but still seeking truth come to a full and complete conversion i remember one of my favorite lines in scriptures at the end of uh, the account of epiphany or the magi coming to see jesus the scripture passage has, says that they uh, returned home by another way. This idea that mm. once you encounter Jesus, you mm. never actually go back to living the same way you lived before, right? We remember that Herod wants to kill Jesus because he's he's power-hungry, he's terrified of a new king being born. So he just wants the Magi to come and tell him, hey, where is this baby Jesus so that I can go in? Or this new king so that I can go and do him homage when you really just Herod wants to go kill him. We see that with, uh, with the sacrifice, with the murder of the in- innocents right, uh, that we call the innocence that we celebrate um, after Christmas. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the Magi go back home this different way, right, and that's the, the great sign for us as Christians, that when we encounter Jesus, everything changes completely, that I look back at my previous way of living, I look back at the previous paths that I had walked, and I recognize sort of the insignificance of them or the sinfulness of them, and I'm I go uh seeking to live a new way because uh what what happens when the person uh you know bows before the lord uh, pays him homage
2: beautiful, beautiful, and you know I think that's um you know it's a very uh beautiful uh interpretation that you offered for us because I think when we often go across that line that they return to their country by another way, we think simply in the literal term where oh they just you know. They took Highway 2 instead of Highway 85, you know. But there's much more to uh, what the Apostle is actually telling us in that line. Now, the other thing I want to ask you about, Father Brian, is uh, the three gifts that the Magi offered to Jesus. We all know that they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so what was significant about these gifts? Why would they have offered him these gifts and... Uh, do they point to anything deeper?
3: Yeah, gold, frankincense, and and myrrh, um, three particular uses uh, in the ancient world especially. Uh, The gold is always what is given to a king. Uh, Frankincense is what is used in the presence of a god. So, you know, frankincense, that second half of the word, is incense, which we use all the time in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And so frankincense is the substance that is burned in the presence of a god, um, and then that sweet smell, of course, the idea for us especially is that that sweet smell carries uh, the prayers that we uh, offer to the Lord. And then the third uh, gift of myrrh is what is used uh, on a body to anoint it at, its, uh, at the point of death. And so you see these three realities being um, revealed by these gifts at that point of Jesus' birth, which is gold. Jesus is a king. Uh, the true king, the king for all time, not just the king that comes today and and is gone tomorrow, but the capital king of the capital K kingdom. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is a king, as is symbolized by this gold that is offered. By the frankincense that is offered, he is also being acknowledged as a god. And then the third gift of myrrh, which in a sense is sort of the odd one um, when you really look at it, it makes Mm -hmm. sense for us especially. He's He's a king, he's God. But then this third one of myrrh, which is given to him as a prefigurement ultimately of his own death um, on the cross, right? And so Mm -hmm. we're told that he is, uh, that he is, uh, the baby Jesus is wrapped in swaddling clothes. uh, Mm -hmm. And the image of being tightly bound in some sort of blanket or something like that. Um, And again, that prefigures ultimately his uh, being tightly bound in the tomb, um, when he's placed there, and of course um, we recognize that we still have that, that cloth, the Shroud of Turin. Mm-hmm. And so that myrrh being this gift that's given because Jesus is going to ultimately die for us, um, and he's already being prepared for that um, when he's born.
2: Yeah, it's interesting what you say there about the myrrh, and it's, it brings me to a question that I've often had because um, yeah, you said it's kind of the odd one, it is, you know, pointing to his death, and I'm wondering if you're aware of any tradition of the Magi having any sort of, you know, premonition uh, about his death, you know, is it possible that the Magi could have had this revealed to them, or is there any tradition about that that, that, that you're aware of?
3: Um, not that, I mean, I don't know, do you know of anything? I'm not aware of anything uh, like that. Have you heard something, Luther?
2: Uh, I have not, um, but um, it, it's just kind of a burning question that I've had, um, you know, yeah. for, you know, in just in recent days, you know, that perhaps maybe something else was revealed to them, or who knows, but um, certainly an interesting uh, I think, I think, question uh, to ponder. I
3: think when we, yeah, I think when we, when we looked at what, um, you know, Mary constantly is being, she's constantly being, um, we're told that she's constantly reflecting on these things in her heart, you know, as she's told all these different things about Jesus. And uh, I would certainly suspect that that experience would have been would been something certainly that you would have reflected on, like why why are they bringing myrrh? You know, this right? Is, uh, so yeah, right.
2: Now, one final thing I want to ask you, and for any of my St. Joseph's parishioners who are listening, they're probably going to chuckle a bit uh, when I ask this question because they know I'm I'm a I'm kind of a nerd for uh, etymology of words. Uh, what does the word epiphany really mean and how does that express what we're celebrating on this day
3: yeah epiphany you know one translation very simply is to reveal um and so you know the epiphany of jesus is the revelation of jesus to the gentiles kind of like we were talking about you know at the very beginning of the interview that that the the whole point of celebrating these magi is that they in a way discover jesus for all of humanity and so, Epiphany is the revelation uh, to be revealed um, of Jesus uh, to the world. You
2: know? Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, are there any other thoughts that you have any uh, about this feast in particular?
3: Yeah, I want to say one more thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got uh, I got a couple minutes, right? Couple minutes. Yes, yeah, yep, you got yep, a few yep, minutes,
1: about three <laughs> minutes, four minutes.
3: So. So one of the things that we, when we look at the Magi and we kind of um, ponder what would have been their particular religion, one of the things that's really interesting about them is that, uh, you know, so assuming they came from Iran, they would have been Zoroastrians. And one of the things that they believed was that in the heavenly realm, there is like a human counterpart to our earthly existence. So like, you know, I'm Father Brian Gross on Earth, and then up in heaven or up in the stars or something, there's, like, this ultimate perfection of Father Brian Gross, right? Hmm. So it's like, I might say, I want to do ABC, and I'm striving so that, you know, a year or two from now I can be better at ABC, right? Like, but for the Zara, they actually believe that that, like, sort of version of yourself, like, existed in some heavenly realm. Hmm. Um, and at your death your sort of human, more fallen experience met your divine uh, person, kind of up in heaven. And then after your death, like, these two different realities unite. And it's just really extraordinary how God worked in that particular religion. And then here we see in Jesus the perfect meeting of humanity mm-hmm. and divinity. And then in our through our baptism, right, what happens? We believe that that humanness is united with uh, with the divine reality of God, right? Mm-hmm. And so already in the Zoroastrian religion, we see this sort of like very, uh, the seminal, this seed-like uh, experience um, that ultimately Christianity proclaims. So yeah, indeed, heaven does come to earth, and there's a uniting of, of the human person um, and the divine person of, of Christ.
1: Wow. This Wonderful. is so amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To bring the reality of of heaven and earth together, and um, the The blooming and the formation of infant Jesus to uh, manhood and leading us to God. And we are going to be out of time. Father Gross, thank you for being with us. We'll be right back after this with some information about some coats. Stay tuned.